Hark the bardic paladin Who sings and plays again He tells the tales of glory And weaves a magic story He'll join you at your table And ask you to share a fable Heroes of humble origin Villains who must be fought again No matter their skill or prowess The people in life are countless so we pray you heed our request. Enjoy this tale of sidekicks and sidequests. Episode 56 Enna and Aelin, the Wedded Wizards. Welcome to Sidekicks and Sidequests the Dungeons & Dragons podcast that helps to put humans back into humanity and breathe life into your campaign NPCs with backstory and bravado. That's right, we're building a world, one character at a time. I am your host, Kurt Krenwelge, the Bardic Paladin, and I'll be joining Quinn and Alex Schulte's table in the Levitating Platter. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Sidekicks and Sidequests, the best unofficial D&D podcast in my humbly biased opinion. I'm joined by, for the first time in the history of this show, a duo. Uh, so since we have 100% more guests than usual, I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and make sure to step away uh, from the microphone as much as possible to allow my guests to talk. So I'll turn the microphone over and ask my guests to go ahead, introduce yourself, and tell us what it is that you do sounds good so um i am quinn one of the co-hosts of a couple of characters podcast that i do with alex my husband um i'm also the producer and editor of the show hello i'm alex and i am also a co-host of a couple of characters podcasts and in my normal life i'm a mathematician and i have a phd in math so i do a lot of uh, math and programming all day would you prefer to be referred to as Alex or Dr. Alex? <laughs> uh, everyone just calls me Alex, but if you feel the urge to call me Dr. Alex, I'll take it. <laughs> okay, I mean, you spent all that time, effort, and money uh, to get that classification, that shiny piece of paper, so I want to give respect where respect is due. Alex is fine. Thanks, Kurt. <laughs> oh, not a problem. Well, I feel like this is a pretty obvious question, uh, but do you currently or have y'all ever played Dungeons and Dragons before? We sure have. We actually started playing it together in uh, January of 2015 with like right after 5e came out because Alex had just started grad school and I was still getting my undergraduate degree and we wanted you know, to have a little hobby together while we were in our long distance relationship. Yeah, and we've been playing pretty consistently ever since, um, you know, different games but and different groups, but we've still been involved with D&D, and then recently, in the summer of 2020, you know, in all the chaos that was 2020, uh, <laughs> we started our own podcast about character creation because we love it, and glad to see that you also love it since you did the same thing. 
Indeed, yes. My first original podcast with previous guest of the show, Ansa Jablinski. We were both co-hosts on a podcast we created called Blank Tape. It was in the style of Roderick on the line or No Dumb Questions. And so it was us just checking in with each other, reminiscing on things of the past. And uh, life happens. And so I was like, well, I don't want to stop podcasting. I have this weird idea. I don't think anyone else is doing it. Let me go ahead and start. Yeah. And, uh, sure enough, it seems like perhaps spurred on by the coronavirus pandemic it seems a lot of these D&D character creation type podcast shows have opened up but I like your story that you shared about how you used Dungeons and Dragons as a way to have a hobby to keep your relationship spark alive I know I started playing fourth edition back in my time in college and I'd been playing then when my wife and I started dating in college uh, she would see me playing she'd be like "Mm, this is kind of weird I don't know but then once we got her to make a character she totally dove in first and of course we're both huge critical role fans and we just gobble that up so i think a testament as well to the phrase the couple that games together stays together fun fact i literally said that in our wedding vows (laughs) yep oh that's nice yeah All right. Well, to keep things moving along, twice the guests, twice the answers. So uh, Quinn and Dr. Alex, who are your favorite NPCs uh, from an RPG, video game, film, television, etc.? And why are they your favorite NPCs? All right, I'll start. So my favorite is Garfield the Deal's warlock from the Adventure Zone, the balance arc, because the voice Griffin used was just so funny to me and the character was just so weird. Like he was very excited to purchase an old shield from one of the characters because it had that character's blood on it, which is like, it's kind of shady. And then um, another favorite moment from that was when one of the other characters tricked Garfield into a deal that was very beneficial to the party and not so much to Garfield. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if you've listened to that, but it's very funny. There are a lot of shows that I need to listen to and catch up on, so it's on the docket. (laughs) I, I highly recommend the first arc because it was just so, so quirky and just had a lot of heart. So I, I really loved it. And I, in a similar vein, I'm going to mention an NPC from a different show that you should check out. So we're just going to add to your list here. Um, my favorite NPC is Scam Likely from Dungeons and Daddies. Yes, that is a podcast I do listen to regularly. Okay, well, there we go. And so what I love about Scam is the first time that they even got introduced to him. So in Dungeons and Daddies, it's four dads from our world that get transported to the Forgotten Realms, and then they had to find their sons. And the first time they got uh, interacted with this NPC was they got a phone call in the Forgotten Realms on their cell phone, and the caller ID just said, Scam Likely. And then they answered and talked to this really quirky character that eventually, uh, later on, he steals a bunch of gems from them that's worth, like, hundreds of thousands of gold. And then he place truth or dare with them to give them the gems back he was very much like in the vein of the joker like some people just want to watch the world burn i don't actually care about this money i just want you to not have it and then we'll play a game to give it back to you 
<laughs> yeah, and every time they weren't playing or whatever, he was just throwing them into the well that was nearby. Just like this bottomless pit or whatever. Yeah, I also think the DM Anthony, the truth or dare questions, like, you know, when you think of truth or dare, I was thinking like, oh, you know, something you do in middle school or high school, and it's kind of silly. But then his questions were like, they cut right to the core of the characters. Like, one of the characters has twins, and the truth was, who's your favorite son? And it was just like, oh boy, you know? So I was like, it was so well done. I think I remember their commentary as that episode was going on uh, with Freddie realizing that Anthony had emailed them questions about like, what are your character's greatest hopes and greatest fears yeah. along those lines? And that's how Anthony was able to construct, you know, these really juicy truth or dare questions for Scam Likely. Yeah, that's very good, you know, because you probably could have sent that email on early on and just be like, oh, you know, this is just something I want to know for later. And then what turns out for later meant this scene and I'm sure other things to come as well. Okay, moving on to our next question here in the personal interview section. Quinn and Dr. Alex, do you have a favorite side quest from RPG, video game, film, literature, television, history, etc.? And why is it your favorite side quest? So I love the Pokemon franchise. I have played at least one game in every single generation. And my favorite quest is trying to collect all the Pokemon. I have never actually completed a Pokedex, but I just really enjoy working towards that while I'm doing the main storyline. The ultimate side quest. Yes. Yeah, and, you know, it's like you could go and win the game with six Pokemon. You really don't need all of them. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think there are any items that you get in the game that require you to have a certain amount of Pokemon. I might be wrong, but I don't think there are any required items. Yeah, it makes sense, and it probably is the strategy of Pokemon speedrun players that are like, all right, I just got to get the six Pokemon that I care about so I can go beat all the gym leaders and win the game super fast. Yeah, the fastest I ever, like, I did that one time where I was like, I'm just going to try to have a party super fast. I think it was like 20 hours I beat the Elite Four. Oh, wow. That's pretty fast. (laughs) As someone that's played one Pokemon game. (laughs) So mine is also from a video game, and mine is from the uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. And my favorite side quest there is if you do the Happy Mask Shop. So there's this shop in uh, Hyrule where you can go and get a mask to borrow, and then you put it on, and you have to like find the right NPC in the world that wants to buy it. And then they'll buy it from you, and then you go back to the Happy Mask Shop, and there's another mask that you can try to find. I think there's five masks in total, but it's just kind of fun to put Link in a mask and just go talk to strangers and see their reactions. So, you know, some of the masks are like, the first one's like, looks kind of like Pikachu. And then one is like a zombie mask. So then people like get scared when you talk to them with that one. But it's a lot of fun. That's really cool. So a more social focused uh, side quest where you just explore the world and actually talk to the characters in the game. So the creators are like, ah, finally, someone who's going to the lengths of the earth to engage with all the NPCs we spend all the time making. For sure. 
Yeah, and I think that really all you get from it is just money, which, I mean, if you played Ocarina of Time, you know there's just, like, buildings you can go to and just smash jars and just load your pockets up with money. But it's just another way that you can, like, you know, interact with the world a little bit and also get the reward of money, even though you probably don't really care about the money as much. It's still fun. Hello, everyone. I just want to take a moment to tell you about my first ever sponsor, Plus One EXP. Tony Vicenda is the mastermind behind this trifecta of triumph. He produces tabletop-themed beard balms, beard-themed tabletop RPGs, and helps to support additional tabletop content creators on Patreon. Now, each of his beard balms is flavored after the basic stats from D&D. Do you need some strength for your beard? Why, apply and feel yourself empowered with the scent of pine and cedar with a minty edge. If you're feeling rather charismatic, apply a balm of sweet-smelling amber, clove, and pipe tobacco. Each one of these balms is unique in its makeup. And of course, don't forget, Tony developed a whole RPG that allows you to harness your facial ferocity and hair-raising adventures. You can snag a copy of that game as well as a style stencil, enamel pin, or a map of the Whiskerverse. And finally, aside from all of the awesome interviews and actual plays Tony has on Plus One EXP, Every purchase you make feeds into the Plus One Forward program, which supports small indie content creators to continue making amazing tabletop RPG content. So head on over to plusonexp.com. That's plus one spelled out and exp.com in order to shop for these balms and games and more. And when you go to check out, use my affiliate code Randolph to save some coin on your purchase and to help support sidekicks and side quests. How else do you think our tavern keeper at the Levitating Platter is going to keep his silver beard so awesome? Once again, the code is Randolph, like how it's spelled on episode two and his write-up in order to save on your order and help support the show. So thank you so much. And now back to the podcast. Well, we're here at the last question in the personal interview section. What are you passionate about and why? All right. I am passionate about books and cats. Um, I just, I love reading. It is my favorite hobby and has been pretty much my entire life. And I just love immersing myself in different stories and worlds and just, you know, seeing how other people think. And I also love cats. And whenever I see a cat, I just automatically love it. I think that all cats are adorable, even the ones that are kind of like mangy and maybe kind of ugly. I still think they're cute. And we actually have two cats, which you might have heard one of them meowing. (laughs) Books and cats are awesome things to be passionate about. And Dr. Alex, what is it that you're passionate about? Uh, so I'm also passionate about books uh, for similar reasons, and I also, you know, enjoy seeing different stories and uh, learning about new characters. And then I also wrote down Dungeons and Dragons, which is, I think, you know, that's why we're here. I'm something I'm very passionate about. That's, I think, why I kind of drove Quinn and I to make the podcast. So how our podcast got started was I would call Quinn when we were long distance when I was in grad school. You know, once a week, I'd probably just have a new idea for this character. I was like, oh, my next character I play will be this. And then in a week, I'd change my mind and it would be this other thing. So then we kind of thought, oh, well, this might be, you know, a good podcast. I could just make characters. And then I could tell people about it that might want to listen. And if not, I could have a, you know, a reason that Quinn would have to listen because (laughs) we have to make the podcast. 
And then as a fun aside, since we do have a certified mathematician in the house, just offhand, favorite mathematical concept and why? Oh boy, this is a tough one. <laughs> I might get judged by a lot of mathematicians, you know. Do you have a big mathematician on audience? Well, we are in Dungeons and Dragons territory, so I feel like it's a Venn diagram of like D&D and mathematics. So mm-hmm. it, there's got to mm-hmm. be some overlay somewhere. All right. Um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, fun theorems and stuff. I really enjoy the Ford color theorem, which is that if you have a graph, so when I say graph, I don't mean like, you know, X, Y plane graph. I'm talking about like just dots with lines connecting them. The the graph theory definition of the graph. Yeah, graph theory definition of a graph, which is what I got my PhD in was common choice and graph theory. But the Ford color theorem states, basically, if you have a graph where no line, cross so it's called planar so that means that none of your like edges connecting the vertices or the dots cross then you can color it with four colors so that each vertex like is not neighbored with its color so if you have a red vertex they're all its neighbors so all the other vertices that's attached to is only blue yellow or green none of them are red and you can do that to like color the whole thing it kind of is a thing that people use i mean the five color theorem you can also prove which is basically saying the same thing with five colors instead of four so four is one less color so it's harder but yeah and i can do the five color theorem proof by hand and i don't think the four color theorem proof can be done by hand easily i think there was a lot of computing power that went into proving that that's my favorite theorem That's cool. I don't know if I remembered learning that in school. So that's really cool and interesting. So I'll have to remember that the next time that you can, uh, you know, color the dots, color in the lines Mm -hmm. on a graph if it follows, you know, the theorem. So that's real cool. Thanks for educating me a little bit today. (laughs) Yeah. Do do do. The more you know. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people really deal with graph theory because it's not even a class I took until grad school, but I know some undergrad math majors take graph theory, but it's, you know, it's just kind of this niche area where it's like, if you're not going into math, you probably haven't dealt with graph theory, even though it can extend to a lot of real world applications. Yeah, like that's how you can do like networking things and see how like you set those things up. Yeah, there's a lot of like graph theory behind like, you know, like how do pipes flow or how does like, you know, how where do we put telephone lines and, you know, stuff like that. So math kids is very important. Stay in school (laughs) and learn your mathematics Mm -hmm. and try not to share as many Nickelback memes because I'm sure mathematicians get really bored very easily by them saying, look at this graph. It it took me a second to get that, which I am ashamed to say that it took me so long to get it. Should have instantly gotten it. Well, because the guy's name is Graph. Yeah. All right. I'm just making sure I got it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. Well, math theorems. Aside, I think we've learned quite a bit about our lovely guest today. And so as we D&D podcasters like to do, let's go ahead and make an NPC. Yes. Sounds good. All right. So today, like I said, we have twice the guests, which means we have twice the NPCs that are being made today. So if memory serves me right in preparation for recording this episode, you only had a few pillars of what you wanted your characters to be, but the rest were all going to be randomized. Is that correct? Using my tables? 
Yes. Yep. We love making random characters. One thing that we actually enjoyed is one of our friends, just another quick little story, made this game recently where it was based off of the Monster of the Week video game, right? I think it's an RPG. Maybe an RPG, whatever. But where, like, when you level up characters and, like, they move on or retire into different tiers or whatever, you have to make a new character. And he had, like, a generator thing that he made that just was like, all right, these are the things you've unlocked. So you can have these potential classes and these potential character races slash species. And we just really liked making those characters, like, to see, like, oh, we got a null wizard. Let's yeah. see what we can make. Yeah, so, so basically how it worked for him was you pick either a race or a class and then you could pick like up to three ability scores i think as we progressed through the game we got to pick more but at first it was just you pick one stat and your race or class and then the rest is random so you know if you play a barbarian you're like well i probably want to make this strength 15 or whatever and then now maybe your con is only eight because it was random and you might be doing like a high elf barbarian with con eight and it's like well all right we'll see what happens so we really enjoy that so we want to do that and remind me again what were the things that you already knew were locked in place and then what are we going to be rolling for randomly so we wanted to make characters kind of based on us and our story. So they are going to be a married couple and mm-hmm. they're both going to be wizards. Okay. So we've got the job and we've got a relationship solidified. Mm-hmm. Yes. Perfect. All right. Well, the first thing we have to start with is character names. So you can roll a d20 for that and you can generate a character name. All right. Quinn, do you have a d20? I mean, yeah, let me grab one. (laughs) Do I have a d20? Yeah, you're going to need all the different kinds of dice today, so you'll get to roll them all. We got lots of dice. All right, let's go ahead and roll those d20s to see what names that we get. I got a six. Uh, So a six, this was a name that was submitted by previous guest Shannon Robichaud. Enna, E-N-N-A. Sounds good. And Alex got a one. One. Okay, uh, this was submitted by previous guest Carla Romero. Aylin. A-Y-L-Y-N-N. All right, Aylin. Aylin and Enna. The next thing to determine is the character's ancestries. Were you wanting it to be the same ancestry for both characters, or did you want to each roll separately? I think we go separate. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay, let's do this. Uh, So we need D100 rolls. I got a 20. Nope, I got a two. I lied. That's a two. <laughs> Forgot how to read the dice. Uh, so Enna is a sea elf. Okay. And Alex got a 54. 54 would be, oh, nice. Human. So a sea elf okay. and a human. Yeah, that's not unreasonable. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we already figured out the jobs. They're both wizards, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, one thing we do want to say is like what our role is. So we own a bookstore, which also sells materials for copying spells and things like that. Yeah, for the wizards that yes, in like, the group that need paper and inks for copying spells, the store will sell those. And now we need to figure out the age ranges of the character. So this requires a D8 roll. Hopefully this will work and not be problematic. And if something is going to turn <laughs> out problematic, then we will adjust it on the fly. Sure. Sounds good. All right. I got a seven. Seven is ancient. All right. I'm just <laughs> very old. You don't look a day over 300. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. 
and Alex got a two. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be a teenager. I don't know if All a right, teenager maybe wants re- to be We're gonna re-roll. To yeah. <laughs> I got a two again. Really want the teens. Four. Four is an adult. Okay, I think it's all right, you know? Okay, so just make them both adults? Yeah, we'll just make them both adults. (laughs) So now we get to pause on the dice rolling, and now we have to describe the physical appearance of our characters. So I guess now that we've conjured up some information on them, how are you picturing the characters? Um, I'm going to have like a bluishy green tinted skin. Kind of like mermaidy thinking. Um, I've got, I feel like hair that looks kind of like seaweed in color and long and wavy. So is it green? Yeah, it's like a dark, nice foresty green. It doesn't have the properties of just being like wet, damp seaweed that you pull out of the water, I guess. No. I mean, it's like the color of wet seaweed, but it isn't just perpetually wet. Good. You're not a water genasi. Uh, yes, I'm not a water genasi. <laughs> what color eyes? They are dark brown. Any other um, physically distinctive features for Enna? I don't know a lot about sea elves, personally. <laughs> well, you could talk about like her style. What's, what is she wearing? She's something? all about the fashion. She wears unique things she likes to put together. She's a little bit avant-garde in her fashion, so she'll have like a loud color print and be mixing a couple of those together. So people might find that kind of garish, but she loves it. I just want to hear her say just, oh, darling, that's so last century. Because, you know, she's an ancient Oh, yes, <laughs> like Edna Mode. Ugh, don't, I never look back, darling. I live in the now. Just screams eccentric wizard, so mm-hmm. perfect. Yes. So now we have Aelin, who's a human. So yeah. what are we picturing for Aelin? I think Aelin, he's a little bit older, you know, because I don't want it to be too problematic. We'll say he's like 45, 50. And he's got blonde hair starting to go a little white at the temples. He's got, actually his eyes are the same color as Anna's skin. So they're kind of bluish green. Maybe that's why they got attracted to each other a little bit. Yeah, Anna was drawn to, she'd never seen anyone who had eyes the color of her skin before. Mm-hmm. And then Aelin has a small little soul patch on his chin and no other facial hair he wears a like a black bandana over his eyes because he's visually impaired for him he just kind of wears black robes most of the time kind of uh the opposite of enna where aelin is just kind of very simple in his clothing choices he's just like i mean if it's not broke why fix it and he just wears black robes all the time and Enna's always trying to get him to be more adventurous in his dress. And he's like, no, this is good. <laughs> Maybe he'll put like, you know, sometimes he'll switch up the bandana over his eyes and <laughs> Enna will pick it out for him and it will be, you know, pink and purple and vibrant for one day. And then he's like, all right, I'm going back to black. <laughs> so it must be a real sign of intimacy and specialness then between Enna and Aelin because most common people I imagine are not seeing Aelin's eyes but the fact that his eyes match her skin and that was a very uh, special bonding between them two is that how you're envisioning kind of their relationship 
Yeah, and I think Aelin was not always blind, you know. I think that when he was back in wizarding school, he could see, and then during his adventures, he lost his sight in an accident, you know, because adventuring's dangerous. And maybe now he's done adventuring, he's retired to this bookstore with Anna. You know, he covers his eyes up most of the time. Maybe he thinks they freak out other people now. A little self-conscious about it, even. Aelin is not me. <laughs> With each character, describe them with three adjectives. Fashion adventurous, that's going to be one adjective. It's hyphenated. It is hyphenated. Hyphenated, <laughs> yeah. okay. I think on the opposite end, I'm going to go practical for Aelin. I think intelligent is also a given. Being a wizard and owning a bookstore, I think I'm going to give Aelin intelligent. I'm going to say spacey for Enna. Like she'll get lost in her own thoughts and not pay attention to what's going on around her. Anna sounds very, like, floaty. She's just kind of dancing through life here. She is kind of dancing through life. She sounds like the cool hippie girl from school that all the guys are like, man, she's so cool. Yeah. She's she's your manic pixie dream girl. And I think that Aelin is also going to have kind of a dark humor. So he'll make some, like, jokes that people are like, oh, is this funny or is it a little, was that a little bad? So kind of like, morbid? Yeah, like, he maybe jokes about, like, his own blindness or, like, death a lot. He's kind of, you know, he's got some weird jokes. I'm going to say know-it-all. So it almost seems like an opposites attract kind of a thing for this pair. Very much so, it seems like. Yes. Did you have your three adjectives or do you yeah, need one? Yeah, practical, more? intelligent. Oh yeah, and that's right. Dark humored. We had fashion adventurous, we had spacey, and then we had know-it-all. Yes. For Anna. So now we get to go back to rolling dice. We have to determine what's a valuable item, a piece of lore, a secret, or an ideal or concept that the character ascribes to. So the first thing to roll is for the category, so that's a d4. One. Okay, so Anna is going to have a valuable item, and then Aelin? A four. Okay, so that's an ideal or concept. So now each of you can roll a d6, and I will tell you what your valuable is. I got a five, and Alex got a six. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so for Enna, her valuable item is a horned helmet. <laughs> and then for Aelin, the idealer concept that he ascribes to is was suggested by our guest, Harper Hayes, exotic food. So interestingly enough, <laughs> Aelin really has a knack and an interest and a love for exotic kinds of foods, whereas Enna really loves this horned helmet that she has. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was it was my father's helmet and he passed it on to me. He willed it to me. I mean, you are ancient, so your dad's probably dead, even though elves live so long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are you still going with the ancient as the age for Enna, or were, were you both adults? That's up to Quinn. I mean, even still with, like, a 300-year-old elf, like, maybe my parents didn't have me until they were older. Yeah, true. <laughs> or if, you know, my dad was an adventurer, something could have happened to him. That's true. He was defeated by a dragon, and the only thing they were able to recover was his, his helmet that he had wanted to give me. And it took you a while to get it. Yeah. And, and Aelin just loves exotic foods. Yes. He will sample anything once. Yeah, you gotta have this 72-hour smoked displacer beast. It's, mm, it's out of this world. Yeah, you haven't lived until you've had Noel cooking. Is there a particular food culture that Aelin really likes, do you think? 
let's just go ahead and let's say goblinoid food culture weirdly enough he's like really like and he knows that sometimes it's probably maybe other humanoids <laughs> that he's eating but he just kind of ignores that fact and is like no it's just it's but it's so good they just the way know they how to, season it is yeah, just spices they have everything oh to die for I think that probably feeds into his dark humor then, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe he spent a little too much time with the goblinoids. What is a particular quest that these characters would be willing to recruit or hire player characters to go and do? Since obviously this is a married couple, did you already have a side quest in mind or were you wanting to roll for that? We do have a side quest in mind. So our beloved cat Cuddles has um, gotten lost and they need to either rescue the cat or find the cat for us. And it actually turns out to be a displacer beast. Yeah, so the the players won't know. They'll just get a description of like, oh, you know, he's kind of big. He's very cuddly. He's He's black. black." You know, and then they'll show up and be like, well, there's this displacer beast and it has a collar on. Yeah, and it says cuddles. (laughs) What? So do you imagine this being a more urban sort of side quest rather than a small town out in the boonies or something? Actually, we were thinking that we lived in a smaller town. So like maybe the cat got into like the forest or something, maybe got lost in a cave. The cat fell down a well. I don't know. Something happened. Yeah, yeah, you know, we can leave that up to the DMs at home to decide exactly how it went. But, you know, somehow our big Displacer Beast cat got lost. And now these adventurers need to help us find it. You charge the player characters to go and rescue your precious feline, who ends up being a displacer beast, much to the uh, the chagrin of them. What is going to be the reward for successfully retrieving and bringing back cuddles? So because we owned a bookshop, we were thinking something that they might have is, depending on the level of the characters, you don't want to give this to like level one characters, but the uh, very rare tomes or manuals that permanently increase ability scores would be one that they might have as a bookstore owners that they could give the characters as a reward, or they could potentially give away spell scrolls since they're both wizards. It would be very funny actually if they gave them the spell scroll of like locate creature <laughs> afterward just <laughs> like why didn't you use it yeah just oh you know well. oh i was, yeah, I was caught up in my work yeah i we really just didn't have time we knew cuddles would be okay we know he's more than capable of coming <laughs> home but you know what i just really needed him now so eccentricity of wizards yeah, yeah. i'm just having a, hard, a rough day and i just needed him but i didn't want to waste the spell scroll well, now we have to consider the flip side. What's going to be the consequence of refusing the call? Like, no, I'm not going to go look for your cat or failure. What if the players mistakenly freak out when they see a displacer beast and they just attack it rather than properly identifying that? No, this is in fact the pet. They won't even have the option to know that we have this very special book. And they will definitely be upcharged for any purchases in the store. So like, if you yeah. need 50 gold worth of ink and paper for a first level spell or whatever, maybe now it's 100 gold, you know, twice as much because you killed our precious cat or you failed to find him or her. I don't know what gender the cat is. Okay, well, very interesting that Enna and Aelin would actually be so forgiving. I thought surely they would earn the wrath of a pair of glass cannons, but you <laughs> just would put the hurt on them in an economic sense. 
I mean, you could also for sure just have Aelin and Anna attack, attack the party. Yeah. I think I, it depends on what happens. Like, if they kill the cat, we'd probably attack. If you hurt the cat, we upcharge you. And if you just refuse it, we're just like, we're not super friendly with you. Yeah, I think a killed cat deserves uh, an attack in retribution. Yeah, I'm going to banish you to the plane of elemental fire now. Goodbye. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to trap you in a demiplane with... A bunch of displacer beasts. Good luck! What are the goals and motivations of Enna and Aelin? We want to collect, we're collectors of books, so we want to collect all of those six very rare tomes slash manuals. Not to use, just to have. Complete the set. Yeah. I also think that they are just collectors of stories in general, whether it be, you know, a bard's tale or a written story. So that way they are really trying to add to their knowledge, really, by just collecting stories. So it kind of ties into us in real life, you know, like into read books. And now these characters like reading books and getting other stories. Yeah, I feel like every time they get new stories, they write it down in like a collection of whatever. Just having an anthology of adventuring stories. With these goals and motivations of the characters, how do they affect their personalities? I feel like we're pretty friendly and open with people that we meet unless you show a distaste or disinterest in books and we will definitely act hostily towards anyone who disrespects damages or destroys books or you know like if we see you kick a cat we're also not gonna like you i think that with that in mind you know we're willing to sell you our books and like spell scrolls and inks and stuff usually and that way you can go and adventure and get more stories and come back and tell us about them like probably they'll say that all the time like oh if you go adventuring come tell us about it how do Enna and Aelin normally interact, say, with family, friends, and peers versus enemies and rivals versus people who work for them versus player characters? Are there different ways that they interact with these different groups or are they pretty much the same across the board? So I'm going to say that employees dislike Enna because she's like, everything you can do, I can do 20 times better than you. So I, just let me do it myself. Like, go on, go away. So like, you know, sometimes they'll be bored if they're stuck in the shop with Enna because Enna won't let them do anything because they aren't doing it right. I could also see Enna just like reorganizing the store all the time with her spaciness. She's like, why aren't these black covered books together we should put all the black books together and all the green books together and it's it like... looks so much better it's more aesthetically pleasing <laughs> and then aelin's just quietly like re-putting the books back to where they were just you know he's like now they should be in sections this is easier to find them this is alchemical supplies this is forbidden rituals yeah it's like no they're all the same colors that's why they need to be there so I think that the employees like Aelin probably a little more because he's much more practical and down to earth and is like, this is what I need you to do. Go do it. And then when Anna's in the shop, it's like, I can do this better than you. It's fine. Go sit down. And since we brought up that they're in kind of a smaller town, but they have employees, how many employees are there at the shop aside from Anna and Aelin? I was I thinking maybe two or three at most. Yeah, I think I was going to say one or two, so I think right there in the middle at two would be the perfect number. Okay, so locals from the town who yeah. just got a job at the magic shop, but depending on who's working the shop that day, they might be like, oh, I regret getting this job. 
Yeah. They're paying me, but I'm super bored here and I can't yeah. apparently do anything right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm not going to fire you and I'll still pay you, but I, I can do it so much better. And then, of course, they're charming bubbly selves whenever their friends and family and customers, player characters come into the store and such. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then I think for rivals, I think they're very cold to the rivals. They're like, what do you yeah. want here? We're not selling you anything. Because... Yeah, and I also feel like we hold grudges, like, if you're, like, a competitor or whatever. Like, I feel like we came up with a way to do, like, to make kind of audiobooks with the magic mouth spell. And then one of our rivals not long after also figured out how to do it. And we are convinced that they stole our idea. So, you know, every page has the magic mouse spell and it just reads the page to you and then you turn the page and it activates the next spell. And so now they've done something similar and we're like, oh, they stole this from us. They're always like, oh, we should go burn their store down. They never actually do, but they're just like, Because you know. <laughs> like we want to because like we're like, oh, we're angry, but like we also don't want to destroy books. Yeah, we can't actually burn their store down because, you know, that would be against our morals. But we just want to sometimes. Right, well, that's the dark humor coming into play, I suppose. Like, ah, oh, wouldn't it be funny if their sore just burned down to the ground and then you think about it and you're like, oh, but all those books. Yeah, yeah. Maybe if we remove the books first. Yeah, yeah. Then it might be okay. <laughs> Are there any particular accents or languages that either character deploys? Are there any idiosyncrasies in the way that they act or speak? I feel like that Anna walks around and will just be like flailing her arms, gesticulates wildly as she's talking excitedly. I'm imagining Captain Jack Sparrow for some reason. She's walking the aisles and just kind of like, woo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that she is drunk. She just moves like she is <laughs> drunk on her thoughts. Moving around the world as if she's still swimming in the water, even when she's on dry land. Yes, mm. I like that. I think Aelin will use common, like, uh, idioms from other cultures just in, dropped in daily conversations. So, you know, like, two birds, one stone, but, like, the goblin equivalent or, you know, the the mermaid equivalent of that. So, you know. Two uh, eyes, one arrow. And everyone's like, oh, that's a little morbid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I think Aelin just says some things that are sometimes like, was that bad? It seems kind of weird, but I think that plays into his dark humor and then also, you know, his travels and seeing some things before he went blind that maybe made him a little more dark. It's interesting to me, especially if a married couple from two different cultures coming together and joining. So we have a sea elf and we have a human. Did Enna teach Aelin how to speak Elvish or I think in the D&D terms, Aquin? So that way they could talk to each other, maybe without other customers being able to listen in or it's a sign of, again, intimacy and closeness. I definitely think that also just because, you know, we're both like love the pursuit of knowledge. So we'd both be interested in just learning more languages and things. I also think that we would just have kind of developed just kind of like a mixture of the different languages we speak. So sometimes like an outsider would be really confused as we're peppering phrases in from different languages that, you know, we might know or things like that. Yeah, like just Aelin says some weird thing in Goblin and it's like to an outsider like, what did he just say? And then, but then Anna just continues the conversation in Elvish. And right, it's like, because All right, this is just how they work. Yeah, because Enna knows that Aelin likes to use this common you goblin know, the, phrase. Yeah, the idiom's much more beautiful in the original goblin. That's really cool. 
it's a multilingual sort of shop and household as far as them talking to each other. Yeah. yeah. And I know it hasn't come about, but since this is a married couple, do they have children together? Are there little pitter-patters running around the store as well? I was wondering that same thing. Yeah. Bert. <laughs> I think that uh, probably they will have some, but I think in the first meeting with the PCs that they would not have kids, but then maybe the PCs come back a year or two later, and now they got a little half-elf baby, you know, hanging out. Oh, that's very cute. Good character progression. Yeah, and no, it just also shows the uh, PCs that, look, things happen in the world even when you're not involved. Because I feel like sometimes the, the PCs are like, well, we weren't there. Why did this happen? What impact have these two wizards made on the world? How have they shaped their local area? So I think this one we thought about together as well. And we had a, an idea, you know, with the audiobook thing where we kind of made audiobooks a thing because Aelin can't read print anymore since he's visually impaired but then we also have because we love stories and characters and everything so much we've kind of tried to help the local community grow and be educated so the literacy rate in this like small town is very low and a lot of people know how no, to no. the literacy rate is very high oh yes yes <laughs> illiteracy rate is yeah. low yeah. yeah so yeah we like set aside some of our profits to make a literacy program and a local school and we thought that it's kind of like the pizza hut book it program where we just like like, we want people to read books. Like, oh, if there maybe, are more readers, we can sell more books. Maybe Aelin will make you an exotic meal if you read, you know, 20 books or whatever. You bring a coupon in saying that you've read 20 books, and then Aelin will make you this weird goblin meal that he likes, you know, with his exotic food. I interest. absolutely love that. Yeah, so then it's more like, you know, the Pizza Hut thing where it's like, oh, you read five books, you get a free personal pan pizza. Well, it's like, no, this shopkeeper is going to make you a meal. <laughs> I was going to say, does Aelin expand the palate out so it's not necessarily always goblin food? Because I'm yeah. sure people are like, <laughs> I don't want to know what's in this thing that I'm eating. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll go to Sea Elf Cuisine. That's a little bit more palatable to people yeah. or something. Yeah, I think the first time they did it he went goblin food and then it wasn't very popular yeah it didn't go over well and and it was like maybe try something from my home and then he's like all right all right we'll try this instead that's really cool so you're feeding both their minds and their stomachs yep yes finally are there any current problems that prevent enna and aelin from being bigger players on the stage I think that because Enna is kind of spacey, whatever, she's content to stay where she is and gathering knowledge and just like, you know, she's in her own little world. So she's she's cool with being where she is. I think for Aelin, he has done the adventuring thing and he's kind of seen that power can corrupt people and everything through his adventures. And now he's lost his vision and he's content to just kind of spend his time with Enna and the bookstore and really help this little small town. And maybe they eventually want to try to expand their literacy program to more towns. But I think beyond that, they're like content to stay where they are. Just want to take a moment to recognize another sponsor of the show, Reaper Miniatures. They have been Texas Titans of the tabletop industry since 1994. They're right here in my backyard, and they have an amazing warehouse and game store. They make everything from paints to gaming accessories, stream on Twitch with tutorials and interviews, and host the ReaperCon. 
this year back in person from September 2nd to 5th, 2021 in Denton, Texas. Whatever system you're running, whatever game you're playing, Reaper has a miniature that has you covered. Want to include Randolph in your game? Then might I suggest looking at their catalog for SKU number 77661. Perhaps you need a Lord Grubbub. Check out SKU 02646. Are you in the market for your very own Skink Knows the Lich? Look no further than SKU number 77280. You know, every time you shop with them and you spend at least $40 on your purchase, they will give you a cool new mini for free. And this miniature of the month is always something new. And if you're wondering how you can enjoy the benefits from my sponsor, if you visit my website, you can find a link for our sponsorship and use my referral code link when you shop to help support Sidekicks and SideQuests and get you some savings. By clicking that link on my website, it helps to track the traffic that our show directs towards Reaper Miniatures. The more traffic, the more that our Texas powers will be able to combine. So again, go check the link out on my website in order to use my special referral code and be sure to follow Reaper Miniatures on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. And be sure to sign up for ReaperCon 2021 and tell them that Sidekicks and SideQuest sent you. So thank you very much to this sponsor and back to the podcast. Well, we've learned quite a bit about our NPCs today, folks, and I think it's time we head into a random encounter. All right, so this is the part of the show now where we get to have a little role play, a little vignette, and get to bring life to the characters that we've just now created. So I was trying to think of who to deploy in this scene, and I think it's been a little while since we've heard from Sonia, who's my warrior woman, and I think she probably has the might to be able to take on a displacer beast without problems or hindrance. So I think it would be really cool if you guys met Sonia. After Sonia had finished getting her upgrades and arms from Jacqueline, the goblin blacksmith in the next town over, she's walking down the road and she comes upon another town and she's getting ready to turn in for the day at the tavern. But as she checks her bag, she realizes that some of her potions and her other magical implements that help her out and her adventuring are running low. And so she looks up and she sees uh, a sign for a shop that looks like maybe it deals in books, maybe it deals and magic she's not too entirely sure herself but she's going to go ahead and enter into the shop and immediately uh she is overwhelmed by what she sees and experience so what is sonia seeing as she enters the shop i think it's because aelin doesn't really care about the aesthetics of things he let anna just go hog wild and like every wall is painted a different color but not just one color like multiple colors <laughs> so it's just very very wild and today anna was in charge so you know the books are she's working on making the books organized by color today and the so i think the bookshelves are very well ordered like they're in lines like you would see it like a barnes and noble or something like that where the shelves are very ordered, but then some of the books on the shelves are like sideways stacked on top of it. And there's like a little pile of books here. Yeah, so I think that the books are kind of stacked 
in a little bit of disarray because Enna's been reorganizing them by color. So they're a little bit in different piles and there's like a pile of black books over here, a pile of red books over there. And I think Aelin's just kind of sitting behind the desk at the back of the shop, like waiting to do the uh, purchases and then Enna's running around doing her reorganizing. Yes. Uh, so Sonia kind of taking this all in will just kind of very cautiously go, excuse me. Is this where I can buy magic items? She says very unsure of herself. Uh, um, hey, Aelin, I'm a little busy right now. Could you, could you just take care of this? Yeah, Thanks. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, come back here, lady, little lady. Sonia, who I imagine <laughs> is very physically well-built and strong <laughs> on the taller side for a warrior woman, approaches the desk and she'll kind of like grunt a little bit as far as like the little lady sort of comment. <laughs> but she'll be like, yeah, so I was kind of looking for like healing potions and stuff or, you know, any potions for fighting good and whatnot so um do you have anything like that and then enna's gonna run over and say oh yes yes i just um i put him over here and then she runs over and like scoops up like a couple bottles of potions and is like let's see what do we have and she's like looking through and setting him down i think aelin just calmly walks over and picks up like two potions and then walks back to the desk and sets them down and then says well we got here our basic killing potion and right here we got a potion of giant strength make you a little stronger for a while help you out in a fight if you're using weapons and such she'll kind of give like a right smile on her face and she'll say yeah yeah these will do nicely and she'll start pulling out coins to pay for them but then I imagine she's looking around and as she's kind of like observing, she can see like there are some deep claw marks into the tops of the counter. Uh, <laughs> and she'll kind of look down and be like, what on the God's earth made these? And what was something that big doing in this shop? Oh, you know, our, our sweet, sweet kitty cuddles, you know, just... He gets overexcited sometimes. He's he's a big boy, but he's just a little baby. He's around I, here somewhere, right? And then cuddles? I think cuddles. Uh, I haven't seen him today. Let me <gasps> check the back room. And then Aelin will walk into the back room and then come back and just say, Hey, he's not back there. <sighs> Did I leave the door open? Maybe he got out again. Oh, jeez. All right. Uh, hey, tell you what, Sonia. Or do, I don't think I know her name. She will see that Ailing is struggling to figure out a name for her, and she'll just very kind of bluntly just be like, Sonia. All right, I'll tell you what, Sonia. Uh, you go we'll help us find this cat. I'll throw in a potion of water breathing. Yeah, we'll give you these potions at a discount, and we'll give you something else a little special. Sure. She, again, is looking at the claw marks. Little cat, eh? Uh... And she's like trying to do the mental math to figure out, you know, exactly what kind of cat you're dealing with. But she rolls her nature check and doesn't get very high. And she's like, yeah, cat, I should be able to deal with this just fine. I'll, um, any place I should start looking for first? I mean, he really likes to go hunting in the woods. He loves chasing the birds. Yeah. Uh, so his name's Cuddles. He's, uh, he's a little boy. Yeah. He's, uh, black for... Got and a couple beautiful. extras on him, you know, like cats do. 
Oh, and he he's wearing a collar. It says cuddles. Yeah, and I got God help you if you know the color because it changes every day. Well, you know, you just he's got to match what I'm wearing. We have about thirty collars in the back too, if you're interested in any uh, cat collars. <laughs> Sonia will be like, uh, no, don't have much need for an animal while I'm on the road, but there's always right, a need for an animal. Yeah, the woods. Sonia will quickly say, sure, for eating. That's good. Anna looks like a ghast. I'll give you this uh, this healing potion and this uh, uh, giant strength potion for a discount right now. You can take them with you to help you find cuddles. Deal. I'll sell her the potions and say, good luck. Where I'm going, I won't need luck. Because <laughs> she kind of like flexes a little bit, kind of showing off. He can be a tricksy one, though. As she's going out the door, she's rifling through her bag for any food items that she has that perhaps will help her in her quest. And she says, <laughs> I'll be back before too long. I've heard that. I've heard that before. And scene. <laughs> nice. Well, there we go. We did it. So as we're starting to head into our final thoughts of the show, what did you think of the random encounter? What did you think of your experiences on the show? I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I also enjoyed it. How do you, how do you think that having two guests at once went? I know it was the first time for it. Right. No, I think it went pretty well. There was good give and take, call and response, you know, pausing for answers. Yep. Well, yeah. And I mean, it was a lot of fun to just build these random-ish characters. I know we had some details we wanted to get in there, but then we also had the freedom to get the random names and the random races and the random other details there. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought it was, like, the things that you had to roll for were good. Like, they added a fun little thing that, you know, didn't feel, like, boxed in. And how do you think the format of my show compares to yours? Because I know you come in with, like, a whole character fleshed out, and then you go through the actual character-making process. But since my show focuses on NPCs and trying to hit the broad strokes, thoughts on that? Yeah, so it depends. So sometimes we come in with a character completely fleshed out. Otherwise, usually Alex comes in with an idea for a type of character that he's wanted to make. Um, and then usually what we do together is we'll make a backstory for them and kind of choose more things like, oh, what class do we think this will be? Yeah, I think Stuff we, like that. We, we really try to like, well, sometimes we just, if I already had the character, I'll bring it in. But like we did an episode on like a pacifist and the whole point was I want to make someone that's peaceful, but is in an adventure party. Let's figure out why they're there. Yeah. So we rolled everything for that one to just kind of see what we got. Yep. But then we also did an episode on like having a quirk for your character and why that's important. And then, you know, we've had an episode on these two warlocks that I played in the past that I thought were fun backstories. But I, I like the format of your show where it's like, it's also giving, you know, a DM an idea for like, oh, I, I don't want to think up another NPC. I'll just check out an episode of this show. And then now I got an NPC for the week that's interesting in this town that I've put together, you know? There you go. You heard it first, folks. <laughs> Brand endorsement of my show as a method to help populate your town or dungeon of the week. Mm -hmm. 
Well, good. I'm glad that the format works for my show and obviously doesn't take away from anybody else's Dungeon Master skills or any other D&D character creation show. I'm just glad that it's a good format, that it works, that people are enjoying themselves, that they're having fun. Because if, if you're having fun, then I'm having fun. And that's what matters. Yeah, and people can tell. At the end of the show, I always like to give the platform over to my guests. So go ahead and plug what you got to plug or tell us, you know, what's close to your heart. What should we know about? Go for it. Well, we, as we've said, we also have a podcast. It's called A Couple of Characters. And just the point of that show is we talk about topics related to creating characters for role-playing games. So just kind of like things that, you know, you should keep in mind if you're making your own character or things like if you want to try to make a person that uses nets, which in Dungeons and Dragons, the rules are very bad. Mm-hmm. You always have disadvantage. So that was an episode that we did. We're just kind of like, here, if you want to play somebody who uses a net and you want to make it actually kind of okay yeah. and useful, these are some tips for how to do that. Yeah, and you can find that all about that show. There's a website, a couple of characters podcast.com. It's just all spelled out right there. So it's pretty easy to remember. Yep. And we are on Twitter at ACOC Podcast as well as Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Alex N. Winterland. And I am on Twitter and Instagram at Not a Dr. Quinn. And I mean, yeah, there's like a, we got a Patreon and all this other stuff, but it's all through the website. So yeah. if you go there, you can find it all. Or if you just search a couple of characters on your podcatcher, you'll find us. But yeah, I think it's a fun show. It's similar to this show. So if you like this show, you probably like our show too. Awesome. There you go. Well, thank you all so much for coming on my show. Would love to have you all back so we could do another collaboration in the future. Yes, thank you. We had a lot of fun being here. Yeah, thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sidekicks and Side Quests. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Overcast. Or feel free to save the RSS feed to use the app of your choice. Visit our website, SidekicksAndSideQuests.com, for links, write-ups of the NPCs, and to learn more about the show and the guests who have been on it. To stay up to date and interact via social media, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit by searching for SideKQ Podcast. I would love to talk D&D and showcase your fan art stories of how you used our NPCs, discussions, and commentary. If you would like to hail the bod, send an email to sidekicksandsidequests at gmail.com. To help this show be the resource it's meant to be, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes to help spread the word and share our show with your friends and family. Whether you're a veteran player or an aspiring dungeon master, there's something here for everyone, and I want to hear about it. Sidekicks and Sidequests is unofficial fan content permitted under the fan content policy, meaning I'm not approved or endorsed by Wizards. Portions of the materials used are property of Wizards of the Coast, copyright Wizards of the Coast, LLC. Thank you for your support, and I'll see you at the pub next time. Bar to rock on one, two, one, two, three, four! Four! Sidekicks and Sidequests.